Blog Talk Radio. Gonna tell you a little bedtime tale, legend it will become. Burgers flying out the door, sail on. Two for one, no concern for the future. Living for today. Fast food bite on your way, lay it all to waste. The masses are afflicted now. Moo, mad cow. Mad cow. Mad cow, mad cow, line dance song. Hey, Sun Guy Nation, welcome to the show here on another Friday afternoon. Sun Guy with you. At present time, there is no coach with the most coming at us from coast to coast. He doesn't mean to brag, but he has to boast because it's Friday, which means he has a really good chance of having some chalabred French toast. Coach Mike Jones, hopefully Coach will be here later. Hopefully old thumbs up Lance Dean didn't have anything to do with the lack of Coach today, but you never know. Some show notes while we wait on our guest to arrive. If you're looking for some professional wrestling tonight, WCWO at the Outlaw Arena, 1151 South Kentucky Avenue in Indianapolis, Indiana. SOS Pro Wrestling in Seattle, Washington. I will be there making things secure for that. RCCW in La Crosse, Wisconsin. And Rocky Mountain Pro in Denver, Colorado. Tomorrow night, Defy Wrestling in Seattle, Washington. DOA Pro Wrestling in Portland, Oregon, APEW in Cincinnati, Ohio, WTF in Fortville, Indiana, MPG Pro Wrestling having a benefit show in Noblesville, Indiana, FWF in Warsaw, Indiana, ARW in Lake Station, Indiana, EPW in Washington, Indiana, DPW in Zanesville, Ohio, NVW in Danville, Illinois, NSW in Lexington, Kentucky, 907 Wrestling in Anchorage, Alaska, MMWA in St. Louis, Missouri, WWN in Ritchie, Florida, DP8 in Orlando, Florida, Rocky Mountain Pro in Inglewood, Colorado. Kavena Super Show number 22, which is a multiple promotion super show in Horse Love, Kentucky. PWA featuring Ox Harley in Lebanon, Tennessee. AWA in Ocean Springs, Maryland. And Big Time Wrestling happening tomorrow night in Chillicothe, Ohio with tons of superstars on the bill for that. So make sure you get out there, support your local independent pro wrestling, wherever it may be. And without further ado, I believe our guest has joined us. I want to welcome back to the program, Mr. Stephen P. New. Sir, thank you so much for taking time to be with us once again. Good evening, gentlemen. How are you? Doing very well. Uh, we thank you for being here. We know you are a busy man, being the consigliere of the cult of Cornette and being an attorney for many other very important cases going on and also helping out with some pro wrestling. I Absolutely. It's my pleasure to be with you guys. 
uh, as always. Uh, I am very busy, but never too busy, uh, busy to visit with good friends like you guys. And, uh, of course, everyone kind of knows by now, uh, my guilty pleasure in life, my release from all of that is frequently the sport of professional wrestling. Absolutely. And there's been a lot going on in professional wrestling in the last few weeks. Uh, It's a perfect time for you to be here to lend your knowledge to us. One of the major things that happened that I'd like to inquire to you, Ring of Honor was recently purchased by Tony Khan and that means it was sold from Sinclair Broadcasting. Looking at things from a legal perspective, what responsibilities would Sinclair Broadcasting have if there were any legal matters that Ring of Honor had going? And what responsibilities would fall into the hands of the new ownership group, if any? Well, it, it's interesting that you ask because, uh, as you know, I, I have uh, legal entanglement with Ring of Honor and Sinclair Broadcast Group right now. Uh, we attempted to have the Maryland arbitration provision in the independent contractor agreements of Kelly Klein and Adam Birch, better known as Joey Mercury, uh, stricken, and, and we attempted at first to proceed in courts, federal and state courts in Maryland, and uh, unfortunately, we didn't prevail on that. The arbitration provisions uh, stuck, so we have recently filed the cases, uh, Sinclair and Ring of Honor, as arbitration, and the discovery process, depositions of witnesses, and all of that will go through the arbitration process as opposed to a judicial process. Now, I haven't seen, don't have any kind of inside baseball or anything like that, but from what I have read of publicly available information, uh, Tony Khan bought Ring of Honor LLC from Sinclair Broadcasting Group LLC, My understanding was it was an asset purchase and that it was not a merger and acquisition of Ring of Honor LLC with AEW LLC. So if it was truly an asset purchase by AEW and the cons, then Tony purchased all of the assets of Ring of Honor, whatever those are, and any liabilities – remain with Ring of Honor LLC uh, or Sinclair Broadcast Group. So I'm sure that I will know some of the answers to those questions in depth as we begin the discovery process in my cases, but I don't know any more than the casual fan uh, right now until I get a little more further into um, the litigation. My, My understanding was it was an asset purchase and that Liabilities or contingent liabilities like the Klein litigation or the Birch litigation 
or any other debt or what have you would not be a part of what Tony Khan purchased. So as we know now, uh, the Kelly Klein and Joey Mercury cases would be under the auspices of Sinclair Broadcasting because that's who was in charge at the time of the cases, correct? Sure. And, uh, you know, we have independent grounds against Sinclair Broadcast Group because essentially Sinclair Broadcast Group's HR department was uh, Ring of Honor's HR department. And we refer to that in legal parlance as alter ego. You frequently see that in a parent corporation and a subsidiary corporation, alter ego. Well, <clears throat> Ring of Honor absolutely was the alter ego of Sinclair Broadcast Group uh, when it was running wrestling shows. And so, you know, we take the position that we have independent grounds for the suit against Sinclair Broadcast Group as well as the, sort of the alter ego allegations that we have. And uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, Sinclair probably had to assume those liabilities or in the case of Kelly Klein and Joey Mercury, those aren't fixed liabilities at this point. Those are merely contingent liabilities. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But, yeah, that, those two lawsuits are kind of stuck with Sinclair now. Fair enough. It'll be very interesting to see how that plays out in the weeks and the months to come for sure. Oh, wouldn't it be interesting, though, if I got a call from Tony Khan who said, hey, let's, let's put all of this to bed, and there's a place on the AEW roster for Kelly Klein in the women's division. And uh, I, I can tell you, I, I really want to say this right now. Uh, you know, I don't think it's much of a stretch. People have understood that from time to time uh, Adam Burch, better known as Joey Mercury, has struggled uh, with some different things, some, you know, concussions and some of the things that he's so passionate about. I will tell you uh, that when I see him and when I talk to him now, I've never seen him in better shape physically, mentally, emotionally than the shape that he is in right now. And I'm so happy for that because as wrestling fans, you know, we all know how quickly someone can spiral you know, between head injuries and being on the road and the demons and all of that stuff. But I just want everybody out there who's listening to this right now to know that, man, Joey Mercury is uh, absolutely jacked mentally, spiritually, emotionally, as well as physically right now. And, and I couldn't be happier for him and Kelly. That is Fantastic news. Glad they're doing very well right now, and hopefully it will stay like that. One of the other more famous cases in pro wrestling in recent times here in the last few months is Major League Wrestling's suit against WWE. I know you've talked about this on other forums, but for the people that aren't familiar, can you let us know what you as an observer have learned on this big lawsuit? 
Yeah, as an observer, uh, what I was able to ascertain from the lawsuit was that uh, MLW sued World Wrestling Entertainment, alleging uh, tortious interference with contract, uh, antitrust allegations, uh, and then also, interestingly, in the lawsuit itself, gave some specific examples of WWE being, or I'm sorry, MLW being in negotiations uh, either with A&E or Vice uh, and, you know, WWE interfering with that potential relationship. And then I think the most important allegation uh, that seems to be made was the Tubi contract, which it wasn't just negotiations according to the lawsuit. MLW actually had uh, a contract for streaming rights on Tubi, and uh, WWE apparently, uh, Stephanie McMahon even, uh, interfered with that contract and and came down on Fox and said, hey, look, we don't want a rival on your streaming platform, and Tubi pulled the contract. So it was a very well-founded very well-written lawsuit. It clearly lays out four causes of action, a cause of action under California uh, business competition law, a federal antitrust law, and then essentially two counts of tortious interference with business relations or tortious interference with contract. And so uh, I've been a little bit busy I apologize to the listeners. I have a heavy caseload. I'm representing hundreds and thousands of addicted babies, and I have clients that I service uh, literally all over the country, and I have not had a chance recently to look into the MLW-WWE litigation uh, and check out whether there have been what I would anticipate being – procedural motions to dismiss at the beginning, things like uh, change of venue or jurisdiction. Uh, This case was brought in uh, the Northern District of California, I believe, around San Francisco uh, because Tubi is located there. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see whether there's that kind of stuff. Uh, Lay people think change of venue motions and kind of understand that. Jurisdiction, uh, you know, we all wanted to hang ourselves in law school studying jurisdiction, so I'm not going to bore the listeners listening to uh, Steve New drone on about jurisdiction stuff. But next time I come and visit with you guys, I'll be happy to uh, run an updated PACER search because now's about the time uh, when those motions would need to be filed by WWE, and, and I'm happy to update you guys with, with where that uh, MLW-WWE interesting case is. Definitely, we would love to have you back and get an update on that. You're always welcome here for sure. One of the more famous cases in professional wrestling's history going back a few decades now was the federal government's suit against 
Vince McMahon when they went after him for distributing steroids and there is the long federal case which ultimately saw McMahon acquitted. When you look back on that particular case, everyone thought McMahon was going to go to prison and he didn't have much of a case, but he ultimately, of course, did and was acquitted of it. Do you think, looking back on things through what you have seen now and what you know now, that if the same trial against McMahon were to be held now instead of back then, the verdict would have been different, or do you think that we would have had the same result? You know, it's always easy to Monday morning quarterback, but I will tell you this. RICO cases, racketeering influence and corruption, what typically gets organized crime, you know, and we've all seen this in the movies and, and we've all read the books and understand how this works, some lower level guy gets pinched, right? A B. Brian Blair or somebody like that, and then you get up to the doctor, and then you get up to a Hulk Hogan, and you pinch him. And then once you've got everybody pinched, you go for the kingpin and the guy who was orchestrating all of it and the corporation, who once again is his alter ego, and, and that who profited from the doctor distributing all of these anabolic steroids. Why the government didn't follow in the WWE case that same type of pinch the lower guy and then get his cooperation, and when you've got that cooperation, go up the chain until you've got the kingpin, why they didn't follow that in this particular case I have no clue because that's a time-tested method of putting guys like uh, to think of some of the most famous mobsters in history, you know, uh, Whitey Bulger, uh, John Gotti. The, the way that they get these guys is they pinch the wise guys, move up through the made men, and eventually, you'll come to the Godfather, and that's what should have happened in the WWE case. I think the government got so overconfident because of how blatant this whole scheme was and how everybody knew that, that this doctor was shipping anabolic steroids across state lines that the government just um, got kind of cocky and overconfident. Another thing that happened is, think about this, and and your question was, what do you think would happen with this in modern times? Now, at the time that this was going on in the early 1990s, anabolic steroids hadn't been banned by the United States government. Performance-enhancing drugs uh, weren't the big taboo, you know, it was just starting about 88 or 90 when I was in high school uh, to become this big sort of bad thing, right? 
you know, think of those monsters. I started watching wrestling in 1981. And in 1984, 85, 86, here come these guys all of a sudden who look just like He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. They look like real-life He-Mans, Hulk Hogan, the Ultimate Warrior, Sting, the Road Warriors, Luger. I mean, those guys look like... Greek gods, living Greek gods in our wrestling ring. But my my point is, at around this time where the government was critical of McMahon, it those performance-enhancing drugs hadn't really gotten that bad. So I think if the government had been patient and observed this for a little while longer and, like I said, followed the chain – Pinched the, the, the underneath guys, um, went to the doctor, then to the bigger wrestling superstars and pinched them and said, look, you know, we're going to prosecute you for the use of these now uh, anabolic steroids, you know, these, these banned substances. Uh, they could have done it the right way, followed the typical type RICO type criminal case structure, and they probably would have secured a conviction or at least a a criminal plea that would have probably seen uh, Vince McMahon pull some jail time. Now, looking at the landscape right after the acquittal, which was in 1994, do you think that that particular case changed anything as far as wrestlers using anabolic steroids? Do you think that the government in its own way, even though they didn't get jail time from McMahon, they maybe helped to clean up the industry? Or do you think that it was just kept under wraps more and it wasn't noticed as much and the federal government didn't really do anything to help the wrestling industry or the public at large at all after the long trial they spent a fortune on against McMahon. Well, Chris Benoit was still using anabolic steroids at the time that he killed Nancy and his son in 05 or 06, right? Correct. So my point is I think that when the government – sometimes shines the light on a situation, particularly in a situation like that you have with WWE. When it was the WWF, it was a closely held corporation. It wasn't publicly traded. It had no duties to shareholders. There was no wrestlers union looking out for the health of the pro wrestlers. So what happens in a situation like that is it all just kind of goes underground. And WWE can say, well, we've got a a wellness policy uh, that that we enforce and blah, 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 blah. But uh, when WWE was a privately held corporation, there wasn't a whole lot of teeth to that wellness policy. And it would have seemed real easy – you know, for guys who wanted to use that stuff 
to use that stuff. Uh, we've seen a lot of, over the years, lawsuits within the pro wrestling industry where wrestlers will sue promoters and vice versa over copyright infringement and trademarks, things of that nature. One of the more famous suits along those lines was when Jerry Lawler successfully sued the WWF for infringing on the King trademark that he had in Memphis. Is trademark and copyright suits something that you think is something that the promotions have a better chance winning, or is the the edge over to the wrestlers more than the promotions? Well, I'm going to say that the edge goes to, and, uh, you know, my friend gimmick lawyer, Mike Dawkins, who does work with Conrad's shows and things, what he likes to say, and he's absolutely correct about this, because he, unlike me, is an intellectual property lawyer, he understands first use always wins. So the reason why first use wins and that favors talent is unless the talent licenses that name to WWE, that talent can have that name for forever, particularly if it's their real name that they want to go by, okay? Um, guys like Braun Strowman, you know, that guy is going to have, Adam Shear is going to have a FKA Braun Strowman from the WWE, asterisk, every time he goes on any kind of a poster, you know, until he gets established as Adam Share. But a guy like Joey Mercury had Joey Mercury before he went to WWE. He didn't license Joey Mercury to the WWE. He only uh, lent it for the time of period that he was there. And then uh, he still has a right to use the name Joey Mercury, for instance. So uh, copyright and trademark is one of those things where if talent's smart, and they hire a good lawyer like my partner, Dusty Gwynn, who has done uh, my, my talent agency partner, by the way, not my partner partner. Uh, Dusty Gwynn in my law firm uh, and in my sports agency does uh, intellectual property work. And we've been able to protect the names, gimmicks, uh, music, you know, different intellectual properties for professional wrestlers. That's one of the opportunities where the, the talent actually has somewhat of an advantage over the promoter. Uh, I think that Tony Khan, from what I understand, is really pretty good about um, helping the wrestlers protect and trademark their gimmicks, their names, uh, everything like that with the use of attorneys like Mike Dawkins and others. Uh, WWE likes to have their own brand, you know, and they don't really, absent somebody's real name, uh, like Chelsea Green 
or Melina, for instance, uh, speaking of a recent case that I was involved in, Melina's return to the Royal Rumble, that's her real name. So WWE can't prevent uh, Melina from using her real legal name. Uh, out of there, it gets a little dicey, though. And, you know, the talent would be well served to go ahead and trademark and protect their names and to not license that over to wrestling promotions when they when they sign what ultimately may end up being a, a short-term deal or just go with go with their legal real name or saying that you're going with the WWE's or Impact's or whoever's name that they're gimmick that they're giving you and that you're going to give it up when you leave that promotion. Fair enough. You mentioned earlier that there isn't a union in professional wrestling, and promoters have been taking advantage of that for years and years. One of the things that a lot of people that are pro-wrestling union think it would benefit is getting wrestlers health insurance. It's oftentimes hard for pro wrestlers to get health insurance because of the inherent risk of the occupation. And when they can get it, it's usually very expensive and has to come out of their own pocket. Do you think that there is a way that the wrestling industry as a whole could maybe even without a formal union do something to get insurance coverage, whether it's through the promotions they work for or some sort of a group policy for the industry? Is there anything that you think can and maybe should be done as far as the insurance problem in pro wrestling? Would you like me to break some news on your show this evening? I would welcome that. I, along with my sports agency partner, Dusty Gwynn, and some other people who I'm not at liberty to name at the moment, are in the process of working on a health insurance program, workers' compensation insurance program, prepaid burial program, and potentially even a 401k-type, IRA-type program for professional wrestlers. Uh, We have names secured. We have 501c3 nonprofit status secured. So my goal in 2022 is for there to be a health insurance group plan that professional wrestlers can sign up for. Uh, it would ensure everything other than in-the-ring injuries. For in-the-ring injuries, uh, they can obtain workers' compensation coverage, and we are working on that as well. And from there, for older wrestlers and things like that um, who need uh, burial, uh, they need health insurance uh, things along those lines, uh, 
prepaid burial plan. Uh, it breaks my heart when someone who was as talented, who wrestled for as many years as he did, entertained us all for as long as he did, and was genuinely one of the nicest people in the world. A guy like Bobby Eaton, beautiful Bobby, had to have a GoFundMe run by my friend Matt Sigmund of the Heat Seekers so that he could be buried. That's a travesty in my opinion. And so one of my goals, uh, and as I said, I have my sports agency partner working on a lot of the legalities. He has an MBA from West Virginia University. He has a background uh, in the healthcare industry, and he is working. I had a talk with him about two hours ago about forming this uh, mutual or this health insurance exchange where we can provide health insurance for outside the ring injuries. We can provide workers' comp coverage for in-the-ring injuries uh, and start to get the ball moving towards something that will provide coverages for these wrestlers. And I, I am so excited about that project. Uh, and at a certain point, you know, the, the, what people don't realize is the NFLPA hasn't been around that long. And the, the NFLPA trust, for instance, hasn't been around that long. So those are the analogies that I make to what it is that I, that I hope that I and others are ultimately able to do for pro wrestlers. That is some Iron Buddha-level shocking news, as we like to say on this show. That is huge. So I hope that goes very well, and that would be a game-changer for the industry. I think it would. As, I think it would as well. I hope that by WrestleMania season next year, you know, that I'm at some independent shows or I'm at WrestleCon or something like that, and people are able to say, hey, there goes the guy who helped try to get pro wrestlers uh, insurance. And he didn't just talk about it. He made it happen finally. That is something I would definitely look forward to seeing happen. Hopefully our paths will cross and I'll be able to shake your hand and thank you for that. That would be huge. A lot of wrestlers, I think, would benefit for something like that. Yeah, and, and again, I say it just breaks my heart when when I see the guys like Perry Saturn, uh, you know, who's really struggling right now with medical bills and things like that. You know, those guys entertained us for so many hours and for so long, and they gave of their bodies so that we could be entertained. It's a sport that I've loved for over 40 years now, and uh, – it's a shame that we don't have it yet, but it's not too late to help take care of these guys and gals. Absolutely. Hopefully nobody else has to go through what Kamala and Bobby Eaton had to go through the end stages of their lives. Right. Well, in addition to all of your legal work and trying to help get us some insurance going in the wrestling industry, 
you also have a major wrestling event that you are helping to sponsor. Some big news broke earlier today for the Bash in Beckley. Do you want to tell us what you have going on there in Beckley, West Virginia? Yes, we we are so excited for the Bash in Beckley, number two, June 11th, Saturday, June 11th, in my hometown, Beckley, West Virginia, at the Raleigh County Convention Center. We announced, and, and I was just talking with the promoter, my friend Gary Dameron, I think we broke the internet last night when everybody woke up today and saw that FTR, Boy Dennis in their corner will be fighting the American Wolves at the Bash in Beckley, a tag team main event that, as I said on social media, that would be a main event in any arena for any promotion in the entire world. Absolutely. That is a huge match. I'm sure a lot of fans salivating at the thoughts of that one. Now, I know the first bash in Beckley, you had a lot of success. This, like you said, is the second one. Looking back at the first one and looking ahead a couple of months to the second one, what do you think will be different this year as opposed to last year to get even more fans through the door? Well, I think obviously a tag team match at the top of the card with great tag teams that people have seen on television for years uh, are going to attract even more people. And we're also uh, bringing in, I I can't, Gary will kill me if I reveal the other names uh, too early. But between now and when tickets go on sale April 11th, I think that fans are going to be stunned, absolutely stunned, at the names of wrestlers are on television every week who are going to be at this independent promotion. And then I can also tell you, uh, and I think Gary wouldn't kill me for this reveal, but I can tell you, and I'll break here on this show, seen will be appearing in Beckley on June 11th, escorting the franchise Shane Douglas to the ring for his match. And when I see things like that, you know, that takes me back 20 years to ECW and when it was at its peak. And I think, you know, that's not Taz across the ring from them or Raven or anybody else. You know, it could be some young up-and-comer from our all-star wrestling promotion, or it could be a guy from Impact or AEW or what MLW, what have you, but it's still uh, it's just an amazing opportunity to have that kind of wrestling back in Beckley, West Virginia. Beckley used to be a great town to run wrestling. Popo's ICW ran Beckley once a month. Jim Crockett ran Beckley uh, once every other month. So there's a strong wrestling history here in southern West Virginia, and uh, I'm I'm trying to bring some of that back. I think the fans will just be blown away 
like I said, leading up to the ticket on sale date of April 11, and who else that we've got in the pipeline to announce coming to Basham Beckley 2, it's going to be mind-blowing. Already mind-blowing, I think. I think as we get more and more names, fans are going to be making their way to get some plane tickets so they can be in West Virginia for this. I think you're going to see a lot of out-of-towners show up in Beckley for this one. Yeah, I had a guy message me on Twitter today and said, is there anything else to do in Beckley, West Virginia, because my wife's not going to let me take this trip by myself to come down there? I said, we're America's newest national park. Come here, and by June, the whitewater rafting is going to be going great. There are other things going on in uh, Beckley, West Virginia. Uh, My daughter will be in theater this summer here. So there's going to be a lot of things going on in Beckley in June, in the summer, where uh, people can bring their families. And, of course, all-star wrestling is family-friendly. You know, there's no bad language handled. There's no uh, sexual innuendo or anything that anybody would have any problem having their four- or five-year-old child sit there beside them. So, uh, but, yeah, I mean, that, that's great. If someone wants to fly in to Beckley or Lewisburg or Charleston, West Virginia, and then come down here and spend a few days, you know, go to the New River National Park. You know, see that great big bridge up there and the whitewater rafting and all that we've got to offer. I'm looking forward to having those out-of-towners in. Now, obviously, there's a couple of months before we get to the Bash and Beckley, too, but – when you have talent lined up like this, uh, you have FTR, you have the Wolves, you have Francine. How long does it take the promotion and for you as a sponsor to get all the I's dotted, all the T's crossed, just as a general rule? Well, I, I can tell you, I like to give easy six-month lead time. I secured the convention center late last year for that date. So it's, we ran Beckley in August of uh, 21, and it didn't feel like we had hardly gotten over that uh, whatsoever until uh, it was time to look at a good date for Beckley in 2022. Uh, So this process already been in the works a few months. Now, you obviously have experience at the independent professional wrestling level. One of the things that I see from a lot of independent promoters, sometimes they've been around for a while, sometimes they're new promotions, but a lot of companies don't necessarily do the due diligence when it comes to protecting themselves legally and making sure they're covered if something were to happen to the venue that they rent or if something were to happen to a fan that caused an injury or to a wrestler that caused an injury outside of the ring during the course of the night. What do you recommend as someone that knows professional wrestling at this level and knows the law 
that independent promoters should have in place before they ever think of running an event? Well, I think that the first thing starts with um, insurance, okay? Take the Basham Beckley, for instance. The Beckley-Raleigh County Convention Center uh, requires a liability insurance policy, and those are not difficult to purchase, nor are they expensive. So uh, my suggestion is run at a quality venue, and that quality venue most likely is going to require some type of really good liability insurance, which is going to protect the venue, the promoter, sponsors, and everybody involved, security company that you hire, everybody involved gets covered by this commercial general liability insurance policy. And, you know, that's the best security blanket for everyone. It, it really isn't that expensive to purchase a $1 million or $3 million commercial general liability policy uh, because you're not looking to put it in place for an entire year, for instance. It's uh, looking to cover an event which occurs on uh, one day. And so that's, that's the reason why uh, it's available fairly cheaply. Uh, the other thing that I would say is uh, check out what your state's rules are and follow those. If you have an athletic commission that governs uh, wrestling events and it says that your rail has to be X number of feet back from where the ring is or that the ring has to be this or that there can't be blood on display, for instance, my, my you know, uh, garden party, uh, cocktail party legal advice to promoters who want to run events is, Get familiar with the rules and the regulations which apply to the sport that you want to be taking place and uh, make sure that you're compliant with those. So that's kind of two big ones there that I would say. If you're an independent wrestling promoter and you aren't doing those two things, that's, that's two good places to start. Uh, and number three, a, a very close number three, and I know this gets dicey and I don't want to get into necessarily, uh, you know, some of the talent in particular, but do your due diligence on the talent as well. Uh, you know, know who you're bringing in. Uh, know whether there have been any uh, misconduct allegations against them, for instance, before with the speaking out movement and other things. Talk to other promoters. You know, look at where that guy or gal has wrestled for the last six months and call those promoters up and say, hey, was this guy reliable? Uh, was he on drugs? Was he on alcohol? Was there was there any problem? Did he show up? Did he gripe about pay? Uh, you know, that's just that's you know due diligence that good wrestling promoters uh, should be doing. And, and I can say that my thing, my friend Gary Dameron uh, has been doing this. Uh, he's had All Star Wrestling uh, 16 years. He actually ran a couple of years before that, but not under the ASW banner. I went to my first Gary Damron show in 2004 in Logan, West Virginia, and uh, he does it the right way. He does his due diligence. He has good people surrounding him, uh, giving him good counsel, and I'm not talking about me. He's got good 
good people, good other people as well that, that give him good counsel about how to run his shows. I'm looking at the other side of the equation. If you're an independent contractor, if you're working in independent professional wrestling, are there things that the wrestlers should do in order to protect themselves against whether it be a shady promotion that injures them in whatever fashion or protects them against fans that may want to come after them, anything like that? Yeah, I mean, just making sure that, again, if you're wrestling in, say, uh, West Virginia or Kentucky or Maryland, that you know that state's rules uh, and that you know whether some, as as a talent, and and you know whether something needs to be just so-so, I think that's a really good way for wrestlers. And and also, uh, you know, the the professional wrestling community uh, isn't that big, and you're probably just a phone call or two away from somebody who probably ran for that promoter who can give you the straight skinny about how that promotion works. Now, you also... Coming up here in a couple of months at the Bash and Beckley, too, you have a lot of bigger name talent coming through. And when people that have been on national television or they've been well-known on the independents come into local independent shows, not necessarily your own, but just as a general rule, they want hotel rooms, they want flights, they want... Uh, certain things as part of appearing. Wrestling traditionally has been sort of a handshake deal between the promoter and the performer. But here in 2022, do you think it's a wise thing for each party to have things in writing as far as what the agreements are? Or do you think that the word of mouth and handshake deal is still relevant in today's landscape. Well, I can tell you the way that Gary and I do things with all-star wrestling. <clears throat> it's slightly more than a handshake, but it's, you know, to have a guy on staff who's a lawyer, it's really not a whole lot more than that because everything's done by email. Terms are spelled out. A lot of times the bigger stars will have an agent. The agent emails Gary, says these are the requirements, you know, hotel, uh, ticket, two months in advance. Um, and uh, I'm going to give you an example that doesn't pertain to any talent in particular. Uh, half due on deposit, half day of the show when we arrive. And, you know, Gary can respond and say all of that's agreeable make the arrangements, here's your hotel room, this is the person who's going to be picking you up at the airport, here's your airline ticket, um, and we will PayPal your half deposit on X date. And that's really how simple it it can be. Uh, And I think that if you live up to that kind of stuff, uh, 
you know, your word gets out there, your name gets out there, that you're reliable. And then just live up to your word at that point. It's, it's these promoters that, yeah, I'll pay you when you get here, and someone goes to Kingsport, Tennessee, for instance, I'm, I'm, <laughs> Ashland, Kentucky, uh, Bayou Labatry, Alabama. Just pick a name out of a hat, you know, Terre Haute, Indiana. Uh, and thinking they're going to be paid once they get there, promoter system or something. That, that's where – Wrestling promoters get in trouble. Not that the fine promoter at New Wave Pro Wrestling in Terre Haute, Indiana, would do that. They're a fine, reputable company. <laughs> but, um, Absolutely. I said, you know, the, the school of Morton, I think, is in Kingsport, Tennessee. So I thought of that when I said that Ricky and Kerry don't shoot me. You know, those are great guys. So. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. It, it was simply hypothetical for sure. Now, looking at the landscape here in the next few months, obviously there's been a lot of things happening in the wrestling industry. You gave us some huge news about the insurance and then, of course, the lawsuits that are in the works that look like they're going to be going forward. Is there anything that you see on the major companies or even at the independent level that you think might spark a suit in the months to come that isn't actually a lawsuit right now as we speak? Let me think about that just a moment. Um, <clears throat> I could foresee situations where guys who are trying to start their own promotions, particularly ones who have aspirations of television deals or whatever, might follow suit and say, WE, um, AEW, Ring of Honor, those are all companies that are owned by billionaires. And one of the things that I have said is, does it take a billionaire to own a wrestling company in the 21st century? Should it take a billionaire able to have a nationally known, well-known wrestling company in the 21st century? So I see that as the next possible fear, if you will, uh, with whether or not uh, you know these constitute monopolies on uh, uh, on the marketplace. That will be very interesting to find out to see if more people kind of jump on that bandwagon. Well, we are down to the last few minutes of the show, and I want to make sure that you have ample time. If there's anything you want to say to the listeners, plug and promote anything and everything that you would want. Floor is all yours. Well, thank you so much. Uh, as we sit here right now, uh, 
tomorrow in Chillicothe, Ohio, is the World Classic Big Time Professional Wrestling Show in Chillicothe at the Uniato High School there. Uh, Bobby Fulton, Jackie Fulton, Bobby's son, Dylan Hines, are putting this show on. Uh, New Law Office actually sponsored this two years ago. And uh, if everybody remembers, about two years ago this week, this little thing called the coronavirus popped up and uh, corrupted our world for a couple of years. Well, uh, here we are. Shady's back, you know. So uh, we get to have uh, the the big-time in Chillicothe, and I'm so excited. I think that Bobby and Jackie and Dylan – have a great show. The, the superstars are really almost too numerous uh, to mention. I, I mean, I, I know that I'm looking forward to my podcast, House of Kayfabe, going up there and interviewing a lot of the legends uh, that Bobby and Jackie and Dylan have on hand. Uh, but goodness gracious, it, it's just a great time. Uh, doors open at 12, I believe. And uh, they're, they're going to do their Fan Fest portion, and then they're going to have a super show from 6.30 p.m. on. Uh, it's, oh, goodness gracious, it's Kurt Angle and Booker T and uh, just all kinds of really, really great wrestling superstars from, from the past generations all the way up through uh, the, the modern generation, the, you know, the young superstars that you see on television. You've also always been very supportive of All-Star Wrestling, and you've mentioned that. The Basham Beckley 2, June 11th, Beckley, West Virginia. Raleigh County Convention Center, come out and see us. FTR versus the American Wolves tag team main event. And over the next several weeks leading up to the ticket on sale date, April 11, the show is just going to be fantastic. And the only other thing that I would say is get out, support professional wrestling. All-Star Wrestling has its 16th anniversary. And, you know, it's almost a situation where the Bash and Beckley eclipses our anniversary show. We've got Jeff Jarrett in April at, in Madison, West Virginia, for our homecoming. And then we also have Davey Richards versus the NWA champion Matt Cardona in Madison, West Virginia, April the 9th. So come and join us for that. Uh, again, W champion versus NWA champion. That's a main event anywhere, and you get to see that for like seven bucks in Madison, West Virginia. Tell me that that's not a great deal. So uh, come on out and join us. And on, on a personal note, I'll say – uh, our law office does a lot of things, not just uh, car wrecks or 18-wheeler wrecks or anything like that. We do that. We also do medical malpractice cases, wrongful death cases. Uh, and, of course, we've got the handful of class actions that we're involved in for everything from uh, babies born addicted to opioids to the 3M earplug litigation for veterans who served in wars. Uh, right up to the uh, faulty cancer-causing CPAP cases. So we do just a, a little bit of everything at New Taylor & Associates, and uh, if we don't specialize in it, we will get in the hands of someone who does. So reach out to us. 
Phone number is 304-250-6017 or newtaylorlaw.com. You can find me, Twitter, at Stephen P. New. Well, Mr. New, as always, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. We appreciate you taking the time to be with us. Like usual, we appreciate the huge news you broke with us, and we look forward to the next time you are back with us. I'll come back on real soon because I know that I've got follow-ups on MLW versus WWE, and I hope that I have follow-ups that I can announce on this show and many others relative to the health insurance, workers' comp insurance, and other benefits that I'd like to see professional wrestlers finally be able to access. Well, you are definitely always welcome here for sure. You just have to give us the word. We'll have you back on, and thank you for your time, and I want to wish you the very best luck in all of these pursuits that you have going on right now. All right. Thank you so much. A pleasure has been mine. Have a great rest of your evening and a great weekend. Absolutely. Thank you very, very much. And fans, as we wind things down, I think Coach has joined us. Coach, are you with us? Coach Mike Jones, the coach of the most, coming at you live here in Port Orchard, Washington today, just getting off work. Sorry I missed the show. Darn it. You missed the biggest Iron Buddha-level shocking news to ever have happened in the history of Iron Buddha-level shocking news. Yeah, I just heard his uh, some of his plugs and his uh, promotions he was talking about. It sounds great. It's an industry-changing thing, I would say, yeah. But, Coach, I know you got things to plug. you got a big fighter that you sponsor that's got a big fight, and it's happening tomorrow, I believe. Why don't you tell the people all that's going down? Exactly. we got Real School Army's J.D. Burns and his wife, Skylar Burns, are fighting in bare-knuckle boxing in Tampa Bay, Florida. And J.D.'s going for the 165 title versus Jose Fernandez. That should be a knockout dragout. And Skylar Burns is making her bare-knuckle boxing debut against Miranda Barber. She's an MMA fighter and pretty impressive herself. So it's going to be a tall order. There's even one more Burns on the show, not related. He's like a super heavyweight, and that should be a, a barn burner also. So three of the Burnses are going to be kicking some butt tomorrow in Florida at the fairgrounds. And for the listeners, when we say bare knuckles fighting, we don't mean a naked shorty pee knuckles. It's a different type of bare <laughs> knuckles fighting. Exactly. And don't forget, we got Caden Casty this Sunday. Yes, we do indeed. I believe his first time with us. Yes, I'm excited for that. He's heels for hire. And, of course, he's a busy man. We're lucky to get him, uh, lucky to even have him on. I think he can only do like half the show, but we're definitely grateful to have him. I believe so. I believe he's at a booking, but he's making the time to be with us for as long as he can Sunday. So we definitely appreciate Caden Cassidy doing that. Yeah, and uh, you guys can reach me at Coach Mike Jones at Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Also, don't forget to check out the Real School Army and 
NGW Green Room, and hey, I'm looking forward to the sign of ta- sign of the times tomorrow at an undisclosed uh, location. Absolutely, fans can look forward to that for sure. And then also, we have a Buddhist special this particular week coming up, Coach, the 15th, which is Tuesday. Our old buddy pal Chad French is coming back to the show. It's that time of year once again. The third annual Paulcade. We'll be discussing all things Paulcade with Chad French, the promoter there, as they raise funds for the local Humane Society. Annual good cause. We discuss it every year. It's going to be great to have Chad back here talking about this year's version. Oh, yes, definitely. I'm excited. And then one week from this very day, Coach, we have Buck Sexton coming to the program. Buck and I go back a very long ways. He has opened up his new company, Warrior Pro Wrestling, after he purchased the HPW ring, a ring I know very, very well. So we'll have Buck on here in one week. Should be a great time with Buck Sexton as well. Definitely, yes. Looking forward to it. All right, and fans, you can always follow me on the Twitter, but not literally. I don't want to turn around and there you are hiding behind a tree or something wearing a pair of novelty glasses and a nose. You can follow me at the Twitter, at SignGuyHPW. You can look me up on the Book of Faces. There's a SignGuy fan page. You can find the Turnbuckle Turmoil Facebook page and the fan page on the Book of Faces, or you can go to the Twitter, Turnbuckle underscore T. Also, you can follow Chicken Bob on his social medias. He's got the Book of Faces, he's got the Twitter, and he's got the Gram. Chicken Bob, very proud of his Gram coach. Yes, he's impressive. All right, well, Coach, do we have anything else we need to say, plug, promote? What about, are you able to to reveal uh, May's, uh, May's, what do you call it, the uh, special May month? The theme for May, yes, we can because it's fully booked now. It is Blade Month. Blade Month coming to Turnbuckle Turmoil. All the Sundays in May will have a guy named Blade on it. Here's the rundown, Coach. Perk up your ears for this. The first, we have Roger Blade, who once punched me in my head right in the Outlaw Arena. The eighth, we have Nebraska's own Brian Blade. The 15th, we have Damian Blade out of the state of Missouri. The 22nd, we have Johnny Blade out of the state of Texas, who happens to manage the Pacific Northwest's own Jason Sullivan. And then on the 29th, we have our second Johnny Blade of the month. He is out of the Midwest. But, Coach, listen to this. He actually spent a few years in his youth living in Pierce County, Washington. You're familiar with Pierce County, Washington. Definitely. That's where I grew up. And, hey, we're going to have to get the theme song, Johnny Blade, from uh, Black Sabbath's Johnny Blade. They have a song. We just might do that. We'll have to take a second to message our sound person, Beast Barnett, see if he can hook that up for us. Yeah, and then, of course, we got a, another Buddha special 
May 4th, for, for May the 4th be with you, Star Wars special coming up on May 4th with uh, so far confirmed is Wild Lyle and Joe Love from the Nevermore. And then isn't uh, Steve Bragg's going to be on there? Stomp and Steve will be on there. You know how he loves the Star Wars, so. Definitely. And we might even try to get uh, Patrick Large to call back in. Perhaps so, perhaps so. I think we'll have at least a couple more people that we'll have on with the aforementioned confirmed guest, but it's going to be a huge May the 4th. Yeah, and then we're already getting people lined up for June, but it's a little early to announce those yet. A pinch on the early side, but it's going to be a big June for sure. Yep, they're filling up fast. They are. It's good to fill up things, especially on the 6th of May. Yes, definitely. Yes. Well, Coach, if that's it, I guess we will wrap this up nice and neat. We want to thank Stephen Pinu again for coming on and talking some legalese and some pro wrestling with us. If you have an independent show near you, go out there and support that. I will be helping secure things at SOS Wrestling later this evening, so you should come out not only for that, but one of the very few chances you'll have to see Girl Hebner back in the stripes in Seattle making a rare appearance on the Independence. It's going to be great to see Girl back here in the home area, so make sure you get out there and support that. We will be back with you on Sunday afternoon with the aforementioned Caden Cassidy. So everybody stay safe out there and we'll talk to you then. Thank you.